Assalamu alaikum. This is Abdurrahman Murphy, and you are listening to Heartwork, The Virtues of Good Friendship, taken from Imam al-Ghazali's Ihya'ul-Lumuddin, The Revival of the Religious Sciences. In this series, we read and explore the eight characteristics that Imam al-Ghazali has outlined as the foundation of being a virtuous friend. He builds off of verses in the Qur'an, hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, and stories of the righteous from our tradition, and we try to apply them in the context of contemporary real-life examples. At Roots, we have daily offerings for the community across a variety of demographics, focusing on social and spiritual growth. Your contribution helps us grow and allows us to provide more for you and your family and friends. Become a monthly sustainer at rootsdfw.org sustain, and please honor us with a visit to Dallas, Texas. Welcome home. Assalamu alaikum. Bismillah walhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'een. Welcome home everybody. We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thanking him and asking him to send his peace and blessings upon our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and those who follow him until the end of time. I hope everyone's doing okay, alhamdulillah. Um, a screenshot today of the weather app to all my northern, um, like, People who live in the Midwest, and right now they got a struggle. I mean, everyone talks about Texas and summer heat and everything, but then it's December 5th and it's 75 degrees. All right, so eat that, enjoy it, all right? She want it for a while, inshallah. Um, and then in the summer, just leave, go somewhere else. Uh, that's what everyone's got to do. Um, the fourth right, or the fourth virtue, uh, virtue that the Imam spoke about was about maintaining silence, right? The importance of being able to hold your tongue when you want to say something or when you have something to say about somebody. And that's something that's difficult in and of itself. It's a very, it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge for a person to be able to hold their tongue when they want to say something, if they're upset about some, uh, something that somebody did or if they know something uh, or if they see like a for us to be able to uh, change, right, that, that natural appetite that we have. In Islamic development, right, in personal development from an Islamic lens, there are two ways for a person to better themselves, right? There's two ways. And a person is supposed to be engaged in both ways is what they call emptying out. There's emptying out. Is the audio not working? Oh, is it? Okay. It is what it is. Yeah. It's on the Wi-Fi, but... How to be quiet when you have something to say. That's emptying your heart out from the negativity, right? The, the bad deeds, the bad characteristics. But then there's the filling up, okay? There's the filling up of the vessel. When we talk about emptying out and filling up, we're talking about the heart here. So Imam Ghazali is doing like a, a, an amazing lesson within a lesson here. And that is that he's teaching us that there is the two-step, the two-part to purification of the heart. Number one is trying to fix yourself and rid yourself of the bad characteristic. And number two is to fill that void, that vacuum now that you have, and to work on developing a skill or a trait that replaces that bad characteristic with something beautiful. So you're taking, you're renovating, you're taking the ugly, you're destroying it, you're deconstructing it, you're putting it in the trash, and then you're replacing it with something new and beautiful. Okay? Takhliya and tahliya, they say. So... The fourth duty is 
the opposite side of the coin. It is what? He says, the fourth duty, and he explains it beautifully. He said, just as your brotherhood and sisterhood, it calls for you to be quiet about things that are unpleasant, just as true community would require that you learn how to be quiet about things that are not very nice. He says, it also requires that you speak about things that are favorable, that you can be nice, that you can say nice things, right? And he explains, he said, it is more particularly, this is actually something that is inherent to good companionship and good friendship, being able to say nice things. And if you think about it logically, a person who can just keep quiet all the time, although they are saving themselves from the accountability of saying negative things, they're not really particularly adding anything positive to the conversation. Like literally, they're just being quiet. So he says, he says what? He says, indeed, this is more particularly a feature of brotherhood and sisterhood because anyone satisfied with silence alone might as well be friends with the people of the tombs. So nobody, like this is an important point. I know a lot of people in here might think of themselves as, you know, not needing the praise of other people. But this is actually not the case. All of us search for validation and appreciation and to some degree praise from those who mean something to us. All of us do. It's not healthy for us to search for it from everybody. It's not healthy to depend on it from people like strangers, people who don't even know. But it is actually part of a healthy relationship dynamic for a person to expect it from the people that mean most, that, that mean the most in their life. Like if, if I didn't care about how my children felt about me, none of you would consider me to be a good dad. If I walked in here and I'm like, I don't care what anyone thinks about me, not even my kids. You'd be like, wow, that hit. Like very, very familiar. I don't know, I'm just joking, right? A lot, of, a lot of trauma in this room. No, but you'd be like, this guy's not a good dad. Because you would consider, hopefully, a healthy parenting dynamic to be one where the parent has some concern about what the kids think, right? Likewise, like a person who says, I don't care what my spouse thinks about me. You'd be like, you need to talk to somebody? Like, I'm here for you. No one would say that they wanted to be part of a relationship or a marriage where each spouse is not caring what the other one thinks about them. No, of course. It is part of a healthy dynamic for us to want to be pleasing to the people that mean the most to us. And so the first thing we have to do, because I know this is like a big deal, is we have to get over the stigma and the hurdle of praising people. What are some things that you've heard? Warnings against praising people. What are some things that you've heard? Yeah, you don't want to inflate their ego, right? Don't want to make them, give them a big head. Okay, what else? Yeah, so there's a narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he mentions that you've destroyed, you've killed this person, you've cut them off, you've cut off their head, okay, right? Referring specifically to what? To praise, but referring specifically, we'll talk about it, to what that did to the person's arrogance, right? This is a definitive, the Prophet ﷺ is giving a definitive reading on this person, okay? What else? What else have you heard? Ah, uh, Okay. So you've learned to hold your praise because you don't want them to feel like you're seeking something or that you want something from them. What else? Anyone else? You guys ever heard like, don't praise somebody, it'll kill their motivation? You guys ever heard that before? No, never? 
It's very common among certain demographics, right? Oh, don't, don't, don't tell them good job. Why? They won't be hungry anymore, right? They'll, they'll kill their motivation. So all of these are like stigmas that flow through the community that hinder this beautiful characteristic of appreciation and saying pleasant, beautiful things about each other. And Imam Ghazali says, you wish for brothers and sisters so as to benefit by them, not just to escape the hurt from them. Think of what a low bar that is. Oh, we're friends. Why? Because you don't hurt me. It's like a very low bar, right? We're friends. Why? Because you don't say anything mean to me. Actually, it was really interesting. I remember the first time that Musa was ever bullied or picked on, right? And I remember he was very emotionally rattled by it. Uh, uh, So what happened was he took the Legos of another child, an older child. That other child was also playing with their Legos and he was playing with them the same way. And that older child told him, don't do that. Right? So even though he was doing it, he told my son not to. So Musa was kind of rattled. The kid was older than him. Musa, I think at the time, was like four or three years old. So anyways, fast forward a few months, Musa's playing with some Legos at someone else's house, and they break, and he starts like weeping uncontrollably. And we're like, what's wrong? And he's like, they're going to hate me. The people of this house are going to hate me just like that kid hated me. He tied the two back together, right? So long story short, we were able to reconcile. It was a good ending. It was a, it was a happy moment, right, with the kid. Musa called the kid. They FaceTimed. He was like, you can come over and play with my Legos. His parent probably had a gun to his head. You know, <laughs> so they kind of, it was one of those moments, right? And I'll never forget this, subhanAllah, when we went over to their house, because they're good friends, right? This happens. It's natural. It's, it's literally, it's childhood uh, behavior and relationships. This is how you teach kids how to be resilient, how to deal with things. So, Musa, we go over to their house and we're, you know, they have a great time and no one picks on anybody, no one makes anyone comfortable and we're leaving the house and Musa turns to the, to the young boy, he's older than him, and he says to him, thank you for being nice to me. Right? And he meant it, like I didn't tell him. right? <laughs> and the, 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 the mother of this young boy, he's a good kid, and the mom's a wonderful woman, she hugged Musa and she said, you should never have to thank your friends for being nice to you. Right? And that's what Imam Ghazali is saying here. It's not enough to say that you're a good friend just because you're not mean to somebody. That's not what being a good friend means. That's what being a stranger should be. (laughs) Strangers should be able to not be mean to each other. Being a good friend is when somebody is able to transcend and go above and beyond what is expected from the, the, the crowd, from the average person, okay? So he said, the point of silence is just to avoid hurt, but friendship is searches for more than that. Friendship requires more than that. If you think of companionship like, like, a, like a fruit or like a plant, like a crop that needs to grow, it doesn't just require silence, it requires more than that. It's more than just sun, you need water too. Okay. So he says you should use your tongue to express affection about your brother or sister and to inquire agreeably about their circumstances. So what does this mean? This is a very, subhanAllah, he's about to get deep. I hope this is going to be a very, very good class inshaAllah. For instance, in asking about some accident that has happened. Have you guys ever had a friend of yours that was going through something? Okay, so listen to this. He says, you should show your heart's concern on behalf of your friend and over their recovery. So you call somebody and they're like, "Uh, yeah, I got a flat tire today. Or like, you know, I I got this injury, this back pain or something. I missed my flight, whatever it is. They tell you about something that's, that's, that's bothering them. It's an obstacle or some sort of you know, crisis in their life. Imam Ghazali says, a good friend pauses, 
right, puts themselves in the shoes of the other person, and they start to pour their heart out. Oh my God, I hate that. I hate when that happens. You missed a flight? You want me to come fight them for you, right? <laughs> Even if you don't mean it, right? At least throw that out there. What do you need? What can I do? Right? We've been learning about this. If you think about the previous three, right, what has Imam Ghazali taught us so far? Be generous with your property, be generous with your money. and be. So this is all kind of adding up now. If you have these four characteristics, you're probably going to be a very good friend. And so this person, you're supposed to call them and say, I, I really, really, I hate when that happens. You know, Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you. And you think and you start to rack your brain. Okay, is there anyone I know who can get this person out of a jam? Maybe you start Googling stuff. They got a flat tire. You start Googling stuff. Hey, I got a AAA membership. Let me send them to you. I don't know if that's... Okay, anyways, right? There's a discount tire over here. Whatever it might be, right? It could even be... And a lot of times, we... SubhanAllah, one of my good friends in Baltimore, he taught me the lesson of timing the things that we think take too long. If you timed the amount of seconds it took you to Google something that would help your friend in a moment of need, it would be under a minute. Just to find like a relevant link that would help them. But in that moment, when you are at work or like at the gym or whatever, you think to yourself like, oh, I'm busy. But subhanAllah, like taking one minute out of whatever it is that you're doing to help the person when they're in need is so much to ask. This is the disease of the nafs. The nafs is so overinflated with self-importance. And one of my teachers taught me that if you go out of your way in a time of difficulty to help somebody, then what will Allah do? Allah will provide for you somebody when you're in a situation to be there for you. And this is the rule, the rule of life. When you're in a tough time, you expect people to help you. The zakat that you pay on that expectation is that when your friends are in tough times, you're there to help them. A person cannot be any lower than one who never helps but expects to be helped. They can't get lower than that, right? Because the loftiest person is the one who helps everybody but doesn't expect any help, right? So the lowest is the one who expects everybody to help but never helps. May Allah Ta'ala make us people who help each other, okay? So at the very least, even if you can't fix the situation, sympathy, empathy, connecting of the heart is what Imam Ghazali here is recommending. Thus, you should indicate by word and deed that you disapprove of all circumstances that are disagreeable to this person, even if you don't actually know what they're talking about. Right? Like a lot of you, how many of you are like watching the World Cup right now? Okay. Put your hands up again. World Cup, anybody? Okay. Those of you who have no idea, they're like, what is the World Cup? All right? Is this some kind of international kitchen? No. no. <laughs> the World Cup, okay? If your friend, please as a group, let's make dua for Morocco to win tomorrow, inshallah, the Reverend and the Muslims... Okay, they've already taken on Germany, right? We need this. We need this, okay? We need this. Everyone makes dua tonight, inshallah. Okay? So, let's say that like one of your friends is following a team. Let's say that one of your friends was rooting for like, like Japan today and they lost, man, bachata. Poor, poor people. They, they really... Look, penalty kicks, by far, I know more. Penalty kicks, for, for the game to be so popular internationally and so, like, so like, legendary of a game... Penalty kicks by far is the worst way to lose, and it's the worst way to decide a game. It's like shooting free throws to decide who's going to win the game. It's the worst. Anyways, if someone calls you and tells you that their favorite team lost, even if you don't care, <laughs> you know what you do? I know you guys are fast. You quickly put it on speaker, you swipe up and go to Chrome or Safari, 
and you Google that team quickly. Okay? And in that Googling, you're like, oh, yeah, oh, Neymar played today. How's he doing, right? And they're like, good, he scored in the 13th minute. You're like, wow, buzzer beater. They're like, nope, that's not 13th minute, right? <laughs> but you're trying, right? You're trying. And it's good practice for when you get married eventually, inshallah, right? Because there will be things that you just don't understand, right? They're like, this only costs us much. You're like, is that good or bad? I don't know, right? But this is what he's talking about. You demonstrate empathy and sympathy. And, and really, subhanAllah, I, I believe, when I, when I think about my own experiences, the people that, were the mo- that I'm the closest to now are the ones that could demonstrate the most empathy in my times of need. Because they showed that investment of time when I needed it the most. Right? That was them. And so he says... Because sisterhood and brotherhood, okay, uh, sorry, he says, and use your tongue to let him know that you share in their joy, your brother or sister, in all conditions that give them happiness and pleasure. So if they call you and tell you something good, you also respond in a similar way. It's not only about empathizing when times are bad, as he says, for brotherhood and sisterhood means participating together in joy and sadness. That True friendship. If you want to know, am I a good friend? Think of the roster of friends in your head and ask yourself, am I with them in good and bad? If I'm only with them when times are good, like if I don't have a single memory of us going through it in a bad way together, it's not fun. If all the memories you have are just like lit, is that, is that correct? Did I use it right? Okay. If it is lit, okay, no cap then there's a problem. There should be some memories you have with your friends that are very heavy. There should be some conversations you have with them that are not fun. You should have some memories of you trying to change a tire on the side of the road when it's raining. After the fact, it becomes a good memory. But in the moment, you hate your life. But you need that. You need those memories. You need moving people. People ask for you to come move. Hey, I'm moving my apartment. Can you come help? Everyone's busy suddenly, subhanAllah, right? Okay? And then like the, the deal gets sweetened a little bit. There's pizza. They're like, uh, I might be able to leave early, right? Everyone kind of figures out, subhanAllah. And again, those moments in the time and they're happening, they suck. Like categorically, I don't care. No one can defend it. Moving is the worst. Okay? And I know that because my mother gave birth to my brother and I for the sake of moving the family. Right? That she, we asked her one time, can you hire some help? She said, I gave birth to my help. What do you mean? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Right? So the point is, you have to have tough memories with your friends. You have to have them. That's what makes your condition very close. Okay? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, say, وسلم, he said, that if one of you, if one of you loves your brother or sister. This is another principle now. Okay, so we're taking, he just gave us the preface. Let's talk about this. Number one, rule number one of how to use your speech in a good way when it comes to friendship. Have you told your friends that you appreciate them? Have you said it? Now, many of us might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. As you're saying, yeah, you're like thinking of, do I, have I? Try to think of a time when you communicated that appreciation and it wasn't attached to like some contingent. Like they paid for you. Man, I really appreciate you, man. All right? 
Try, and this is an interesting activity, try to text your friends tonight, especially if they're not here. Think of a friend that's not here and text them and say, I really, really appreciate you and I love you for the sake of Allah. If they text you back saying, what's wrong? <laughs> like, are you okay? Like, do you need me? Right? Blink twice if you're being held hostage. <laughs> then that's an indication that you're not as close as you thought you were. Right? But if they text back saying like, I-L-Y-2, or like whatever, then that's good. That means that you're in a place where you, it's, 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 there's no takalluf in your relationship. Right? There's no, as they say, uh, how do we translate it again? We're the year two students. We came up with a good translation for this. Takalluf, I forgot. Formality is one, but there's another one. Okay, formality. There's no formality. There's no formality in your relationship. Okay, so the Prophet said him here. Rule number one, for all of your, if you want to know if you're a good friend, ask yourself, have you communicated and demonstrated verbally your love to your friends? Okay, now he says the Prophet gave this command because the communication gives an increase in love. Meaning what? That when you hear this phrase, it doesn't just sit there. You know, some language is informative. Right? Okay? Some language is informative. The gray on this wall is called elephant gray. That did not change your life. Okay? It was informative. Okay? Some language, some words are transformative. That when you say that, it like changes something within somebody. Okay? And some of those words can be bad. Those are the words that we don't want to use. Some of those statements can be very hurtful. It can be transformative, but it's bad. We want to use the beautiful language that's transformative. So the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ here, he says here, he says, وَإِنَّمَا أَمَرَ بِالْإِخْبَارِ لِأَنَّ ذَلِكَ يُجِبُ زِيَادَةِ That he commanded this. This is not like a suggestion. He said, if you truly love your brother or sister, tell them. It's a command. Why? Because he says it will necessitate that there will be an increase in love between the two of you. Okay? Why? Because he says, if a brother knows or a sister knows that you love them, then naturally they will love you too. They will increase. And if you know that they reciprocate their love for you, then your love will increase. It's like a never-ending cycle of increase in love for one another. Thus, love will grow progressively from either side and will multiply. Okay? He says mutual love among believers is considered a requirement by the Sharia, and it is desired in religion. Therefore, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, and this narration is beautiful because it means two things. Tahadu tahabu. Tahadu tahabu. Like, it's a very, the Prophet ﷺ was given the gift, a gift called Jawami al-Kalam, where he was able to say short things, but he means a lot by them. Okay, brevity, but very comprehensive meaning. So this word, tahadu, can mean two things. Number one, it can mean guide one another, give each other guidance, and that's one, of the, that's one of the roles of friendship. Have any of you ever called your friends to ask for advice? All right, okay. So I'm like, everybody, welcome. Anyone ever called your friends for advice? Think, you have. I know everyone's kind of like, mm, you have, for sure. You've called about advice like, hey, like, what's good to eat here? Or like, hey, like, you, you ha- you've been to this place before, like, would you recommend going it? Whatever. You've definitely asked for advice. That's part of what makes a person a friend. You don't like randomly ask strangers, hey, 
what's good here, right? And they're like, focus on your own food, bro, right? Like, look at your own table. You only talk about the people that you have friendships with, the people that you're close with, you rely on them for that guidance. And obviously guidance here, more than just what to order at a restaurant. We're talking here about deep, deep stuff, right? Mashwara, seeking consultation with somebody, asking them like really good questions. You know, when you're in a really tough time, I would say one of the greatest regrets that people have that I talk to is when they make major decisions in isolation. Like they buy a house or they get married or they decide to go to, into a certain program or whatever and they don't tell anybody. And sometimes they don't tell people because of, we talked about last week, like fear, a little bit of like maybe some envy or whatever. That's different. But sometimes it's from the disease of arrogance. I don't need people's advice. I can make this decision on my own. I'm smart. I'm accomplished. I'm this, I'm that. You know what's interesting? The Prophet ﷺ was commanded by Allah to seek advice. He was commanded in the Qur'an, وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ He was told. Now, think about it for a second. Was anyone smarter than him? No. Was anyone more intelligent spiritually than him? No. Was anyone else getting revelation from God? No. Why would Allah command the Prophet ﷺ to seek advice when he literally had qualifications above everybody in his life. Why? What does that mean? The goal of seeking advice is not about whether or not the person's right. Hajib. It's not about whether or not the person's absolutely correct. It's about being able, number one, to build the relationship. When I seek advice from somebody, guess what? Even if I don't take the advice, right? They'll never know, number one. Number two, it's about understanding where that person's coming from. And maybe, even if it doesn't change completely, it will alter your moment. Another example from the Qur'an, Ibrahim salam. Ibrahim, Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, his story is amazing. One of the, the greatest moments in the history of the world, Ibrahim salam, one of the greatest trials, was that Allah commanded him to sacrifice who? His son. Allah told him to sacrifice his son. Imagine, his, he woke up and he looked at his son, Ismail, and he said, I saw in my sleep, meaning my dream, that I, and, and dreams are revelation methods for prophets. Okay? That I have to slaughter you. I have to sacrifice you. Then what does he say next? فَانْظُرْ مَاذَا tara. He's a prophet. Let me explain something here hierarchically. Prophets, when they get revelation, there's no like discussion. There's no choice. Okay? He receives revelation and he tells his son, this is what God showed me. There's no choice, right? Now a lot of times when a person's in authority and there is no choice for the sake of efficiency, for the sake of power, for the sake of whatever, what do they do? Come on, let's go. Why? Because I said so. Ibrahim could have done that. Let's go, top of the mountain, got to slaughter you. Why? What are you talking about? Let's go. Are you disagreeing with God? It could have turned into that moment, right? A lot of you are like, yeah, right? No. He says, فَانْظُرْ مَاذَا tara. He sits and he tells his son, tell me what you think. فَانْظُرْ مَاذَا tara Literally means, tell me what you see. Give me your perspective. There's no choice. But he wants to listen to his son's perspective. Why? It's not going to change the outcome. 
He can't go against God, but he wants his son to know that my relationship with you means something. This is why I have to do it, but I love you, and I want to know what you think. Okay? So Shura, seeking consultation with friends, it's not always about, oh, I'm giving up my agency, my autonomy, they're making the decisions for me. No, no, no. Sometimes you might be going forward with that same decision. But if you made that decision without roping them in, you may as well have just cut that relationship off. These are close friends I'm talking about, okay? So he says that, number one, guide one another, love one another. Another meaning of this hadith, which is beautiful, is to give gifts to one another. And this is an Arabic, it's a beautiful point in the Arabic language because the greatest gift is hidayah, right? Hadiyah, hidayah. They come from the same root. So another hadith commanded the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is give gifts for one another. Anybody here got like a gift from somebody when they went traveling somewhere? That keychain that you don't know where it is now? <laughs> but isn't it cool that they thought about you? Right? I mean, they probably bought 300 of them, but they, wasn't it cool that you were one of the 300? Isn't that amazing? No, it's really something special. SubhanAllah, when someone brings back something and they thought about you, it doesn't matter how small it is. The Prophet ﷺ, he said something really powerful. He said, If someone were to give me a dry bone, dry bone, what does that mean? It's the most useless and valueless thing on the earth. Dry bone means, number one, it's a bone, it has no meat on it, so I can't eat anything from it. Number two, it's dry, which means that it's brittle, it's going to break. I can't even like make a staff out of it, use it in construction. The Prophet said, if someone gave me a piece of trash, a dry bone, I would accept it. I would say thank you. Because why? It's not about the gift, it's about the, it's the thought that counts. All of these adages that we hear in popular culture, they're all examples that have already been distributed or shown and displayed by our Prophet Muhammad Okay, tahadu tahabu. Okay, so number one, say nice things, express your love. Number two, how many of us seek consultation, ask people for advice? And by the way, if you start doing this more, you're going to see that your relationship gets better and better. If you call your friends and say, hey, I have a question, I need your advice on this, you're going to start seeing this mutual respect growing between the two of you. Okay, number three, Giving gifts for one another. Doesn't matter how expensive. Don't be, don't be dissuaded by shaitan. Oh, if I can't get, something, get them something nice, then they're not going to care. No. It is truly the thought that counts. Even if it's buying them chai at suhbah. Okay? There's a little bit of shameless advertising, all right? All right, so that's rule number two. Rule number three, he says, and part of the matter, okay, وَمِنْ ذَلِكَ أَن تَدِعُوهُ بِأَحَبِّ إِسْمَائِهِ إِلَيْهِ فِي غَيْبَتِهِ وَحُدُورِهِ and the, one of the other rules of being a good friend and using your tongue in a good way is by addressing them by the names that they love, not the ones they don't love, the names that they love, in their presence and also in their absence. What does this mean? Anyone here have like a nickname? Yeah? No, one person who's like me, right? You have the nickname, right? Anyone here, not just names, but descriptions, characteristics, Okay? Omar he said there are three ways of showing sincere brotherly and sisterly love. Giving them a greeting of peace when you first meet them. Saying salam. Isn't it so awkward when you walk into a space and you know a person and you don't greet each other? Don't you feel like there's this weird tension? Like we can't actually engage until we say salam. And then the worst is when you walk up and just start talking and there's no salam. They're like, hey, you're like, whoa, relax. Are we skipping a step here, right? 
It's a, for the Muslim version, it's not at least take me to dinner first. It's at least say salam first, right? Okay? So say salam, number one. Number two, make your brother or sister comfortable. Which is what? How are you? How's it going? You look great in that tonight, mashallah. You look awesome. It's good to see you. Nice haircut. Did you get a haircut? You didn't? Well, it looks good anyways, right? Like, just kind of making them comfortable. And then the third is what? By calling them by their favorite names. Okay? So this is a very beautiful, complex, emotionally intelligent point of Umar radiallahu And of course, by Imam Ghazali, who's mentioning this. Why? If you know the names or the characteristics that your friends like to be called by, what does that mean that you are with them? You must be very what? You must be close, right? If you know that somebody doesn't like to be called tall, for example, right? There's people that don't like to be referred to as tall. I'm trying really hard not to make eye contact with anybody because I don't want them to think I'm talking about them. <laughs> there are people, right? <laughs> Sorry, eyes closed. There are people that don't like to be referred to in any way, shape, or form by their physical appearance. Okay? Whether they are above a certain height or below a certain height. Okay? Like for me, I grew up my entire life. People are like, you play football? I'm like, no. Like, what'd you play? I'm like, golf. They're like, why? <laughs> like, what a waste, right? It, the assumption that we can comment on people's physical, you know, that, that what they should do with their bodies because of a certain height, right? Do you play basketball? Do this, do that, right? Like if someone sees someone who's on the shorter side, like, do you ride horses? Like, no, like no one. You drive F1? No one makes that assumption. It's important for us never to feel like we can comment on anybody by things that we know that they may not like. Okay? Only refer to things that you know that they like and they appreciate. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay? There might be people who are working really hard to lose weight and they look at someone who's skinnier and they say, man, I wish I was like you. And that person who's skinnier is trying to gain weight and they're like, stop it, right? The interesting thing is both the disconnect is happening not because of ill intention but because no one's paying attention. No one's actually focusing, right? If you knew more about your friends, you'd know what they like and don't like. I have a very close friend of mine who has a nickname that he doesn't like being called, and there's no logic behind it. There's none. It's not even a bad thing to say. He just doesn't like it. They abbreviate his name, he doesn't like it. Okay, please don't call me that. Right? And again, if you are someone who pays attention to him, whenever anyone says, hey, and they say the nickname, if, you, if you're smart and you listen, he responds always by saying, oh, it's, and then he says his whole name. Right? So if my name is Abdurrahman, people come to me, they're like, hey. I don't know what they would say. AR, yeah, AR, I hate that. Never call me AR, okay? <laughs> I hate that. You nailed it, mashallah, right? What would I do without you, man? AR, right? And what, what do I, if, if you pay attention, I'm not going to be like, don't call me AR, right? If you call me AR, I'm going to knock your teeth out. I'm not going to say that. What I might say, and if you're smart, if you're listening, is what? Uh, yeah, Abdurrahman. Very subtle, right? But again, if you're close, you're going to pick up on that. And you're going to know that, you know what? Noted. <laughs> AR is not, you know, but there might be some people that call me AR and they get away with it. Why? Because we grew up together, we go way back, that's what they used to call me, whatever. But that's not who you are, AR, right? Okay? That's not who you are. So it's important to know these nuances. Very important, subhanAllah. Islam is all about emotional intelligence. It really, so much of our deen teaches us, be aware. Be aware of what people don't like and what they do like. Okay? So, 
making sure you call people by their good names. What's the, what's the, what's, what's the opposite of that? Is never, ever, ever refer to somebody by an evil name. The Quran says, uh, it's, it's, it's never, ever good. And, and one of the things that we got to be careful with everybody, really we have to be careful with, is if somebody has made a mistake and they've moved on, don't bring it up. Don't ever bring it up. The Prophet said, That if a person made tawbah, the one who makes tawbah from a sin, he said, Kamen, kaf is an equivocation in Arabic, means that exactly like, exactly. Okay? It's, it's one of the strongest forms of making equal. Ka man la balahu. Exactly like the one who never had sin in the first place. So, if somebody did something wrong or whatever, they have a history, and maybe you were there with them, right? Maybe you all were there together in the J days, the Jahili days, right? That's what we call them, the Jahiliya days. Maybe you were there with them, right? Like ride or die, if you both, alhamdulillah, made that jump together, it's important not to bring up that stuff. It's important. And by the way, also, it's important for us just not to bring it up even independent. Right? Umar radiallahu anhu, he used to talk about hiding your sins. He used to cry, man, subhanAllah. He used to cry. Umar radiallahu anhu, there's a story that's narrated about him. The authenticity is, 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 you know, it's good, but it's not the strongest. But anyways... He was sitting one time and he was, he was laughing and he was crying. There's a story that's narrated about him. He was laughing and he was crying. He was laughing and he was crying. So they asked him, they said, why are you laughing? Why are you crying? It's a very interesting, like, emotional, you know, uh, uh, exposition. Like, you're laughing, then you're crying. Right after one another. And he said, well, I was crying because I was thinking about my days before I was Muslim. And I was thinking about how, how I used to worship idols and I used to worship these things. And, and I used to sit there and he goes, I remember specifically... There was one idol that I worshipped that I, I made it by, with my own hands. And I didn't have mud or cement, I had dates. So I took the seeds out and I squished the dates together and I made an idol out of dates and I would, I would pray to it. And then he goes, and one night I was really hungry. <laughs> and I looked at my idol all right, that I just got done worshipping and I took a bite out of him. And I ate my idol. So he said, I was crying because of my distance from faith. And then I started laughing because he's like, just the, just the, it's such a silly like thing to think about after the fact, right? Okay? But the, the importance of that story is that Omar, he felt guilty. He felt remorseful. And part of feeling remorseful is that we don't talk about things that we re- regret. We don't talk about it in any light, right? Very exceptionally. If there's someone that you know who's going through something similar and maybe you could help them. But even then, you got to be discreet about it. You can't be like, let me show you the pictures. Come here, come here. This is a private folder. Let me show you this. No. None of that, right? If anything, be discreet. Be classy. You know, tell them, like, you know what? I used to do some of the things that you're doing now. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, right? Keep it classy. Keep it nice, okay? So don't mention anything that people did in the past. Always refer to them by their good names. Another part is praising them for their good qualities that you know that they possess. So that's Imam Ghazali kind of throwing that in there. Don't make up stuff. Don't make up stuff. Man, Amin gave a billion dollars last year, mashallah, right? Inshallah, right? Everyone say inshallah. But, you know, billions a lot of money. Maybe a million, but not a billion yet, okay? So we don't make up stuff about people. That's the kind of exaggeration, by the way. Uh, uh, who mentioned it? Oh, he was here. Where did he go? He disappeared. It's 
I, I was looking right here and I'm like, I'm not crazy. I swear to God, there was a guy right here who said this. You know the example of the Prophet Sallallahu heard a person praising somebody and he said, you've killed him. You killed him. Like, you killed him. You took him out. This was in reference to hyperbolic exaggeration. When you start talking about somebody way beyond what's truthful. Right? And this happens sometimes, especially in Arab culture. It happens a lot, right? Look at you, the one the sun has risen for and the moon comes. Like, you know, it's like... Relax, okay? He doesn't even, hasn't brushed his teeth yet. Relax. Like, let's let him get dressed for the day and then we'll talk about the sun rising for him. Okay? So th- again, it comes from a good place, but we got to be, you know, a little bit balanced, right? So praising them for good qualities that you know they possess in the presence of one who they would like to be praised. This is kind of what we were talking about earlier. I asked, why do we not praise people? And one of the reasons that was given was because we don't want them to like be inflated in their ego. That is true, but it's almost like innocent until proven guilty. Unless you know that this person has like a predispensation to being inflated, there's nothing wrong with saying something nice about somebody, especially if it's a balanced way. You know, if someone shows up and we're at a gathering, we're eating dinner together, and Zohaib comes through, and I'm like, did you guys know Zohaib? MashaAllah, man. He's one of the up-and-coming physical therapists, right? MashaAllah, he's about to pass his exams, and I mean, here he comes. And again, it's not like I'm like, God, he worked on LeBron James yesterday, like... Sign up for an appointment. No, there's no exaggeration. But to say something nice about somebody, right? To praise somebody, especially in a gathering where you know they would. Now, this is interesting because the other chapter that we just read, Imam Ghazali says, sometimes we hold back from this. And what was the cause again? Aisha, you said it. I saw your lips. Envy. Very good. If you're in a gathering and there's somebody there, right? And you know that you could say something nice. And it wouldn't make it weird. It would be nice. It would add to the conversation. And the person would really appreciate it. And it fits perfectly. But for some reason, you don't say it. Then it could be a sign of envy. Why is this person the focus of conversation? Why not me? In fact, if you always see yourself bringing the conversation back to yourself, right? then that could also be a very bad sign. So get in the habit of when you're in a gathering, being charitable with your words. Give sadaqah with your words. You know, the Prophet ﷺ said, it is enough charity, or it is, an, it is a charity to meet your brother or sister with what on your face? A smile. Imagine then putting a smile on your brother or sister's face. That would definitely be sadaqah. So if, you, if you're there with somebody, say something nice. He gives examples. This is one of the most efficacious ways of attracting affection. It's so, you know efficacious here? I know it's a big word. It's very cheap for you to do. And it has a great return. Cheap for you to do has a great return. What does it take for you to say something nice about somebody? Five seconds. What does it take? Five seconds, but it takes a generous heart. Right? And then subhanAllah says, the, the affection you get in return is like so great. You know, there's a story in the seerah of the Prophet about uh, Ka'ab, the poet. And... This, it's a long narration. I can't tell the whole thing. But essentially what happened was that Ka'ab was part of a small group of people that did not go to battle even when they could have and should have gone to battle. And this was a trait only that the hypocrites would do. They would make up excuses. So they would go to the Prophet ﷺ before the battle and they would say, Ya Rasulullah, like, I can't because... And some people had valid excuses. Unfortunately, Ka'ab said he was so distracted by his, his life, like it, things were going so well, 
that he was like, I was, in my head, I said, you know what, I'll meet them up later. And he said, eventually later became later, and then eventually later, later became never. And so I just never went. And the believers ended up going out. There was actually no battle. They came back. It was like a, it was basically a, a, a tactical move. And they came back and there was no battle. But unfortunately, this um, moment in Sirah was remembered by the Prophet ﷺ, by the Muslims. And Ka'ab went and he actually went and he admitted to the Prophet ﷺ that he had, what's the word again they say in, in, uh, in the army? Abandoned? No, what is it? Deserted. deserted. He, yeah, thank you. He, he admitted, Ya Rasulullah, I deserted. I deserted. Now, here's the crazy part. A lot of us who, when we apologize, we're expecting things to be back to normal right away. This is a great story for us. Because the Prophet, deserting the community is a big deal. Everyone's needed. All hands on deck. If somebody doesn't go, what kind of message is that sending? It's sending a message to the community that I care about myself more than I care about you. And we're talking about defense here. This isn't about going and trying to like build a new city. This is like, hey, if we don't step up and defend Medina, we're done. All of the stuff that you care about is gone. So show up. And he didn't show up. May Allah be pleased with him. So he goes through a period of, there's like a boycott that Allah Ta'ala has not revealed what to do with these people. There's a group of them. Allah Ta'ala had not revealed. I'm not trying to tell the whole story. But essentially I want you to remember one thing. Allah eventually, after a certain amount of days, he reveals that he has forgiven this group of people. And Ka'ab was begging and praying to Hajj all night, and he was hoping for this moment. Finally, this moment comes. Why am I telling you this story? Because when he goes to the masjid to meet the Prophet, there's a group of people there, Sahaba, and he walks in and he notices that all of them are like happy for him, but they're all still a little bit, they're cautious. Okay? But one companion, I believe it was Sa'ad. He stood up and he told him, he like grabbed him by the arms and he was like, I'm so happy for you. And he hugged him and he embraced him. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you. And Kaab, as he's narrating this story, he goes, I'll never forget that moment. Out of everybody, there was only one guy who stood up and hugged me. And he goes, I love everybody, but man, that, he's a real one. He stood up and he hugged me and he, he shared in my happiness. Right? So what here is he saying? He's saying that when you... What did it take Sa'ad to do that? He stood up for 30 seconds and said something, said some words, but it never left the mind and heart of Ka'ab ever for the rest of his life. Okay? Don't be cheap with your good words. Likewise, praising their family, their children, their skill, their actions, their intelligence, their character, their appearance, their handwriting, their poetry. Next time, you, next time there's a quiet spot in conversation, praise someone's poetry. All right? Man, you're so good at poetry. You're like, what? <laughs> okay? He's dropping this again. Why? To give examples. The list goes on and on. There's so many things that you can choose to be nice about. It's never ending. His composition, everything that they enjoy. You can say some nice things about that. All of this without lying, without exaggeration. Though, he says, if I'm going to be honest, because he's not a robot. Imam Ghazali is like, you're not going to be a robot. You're not going to give a report card. Right? He says, it is necessary to embellish a little bit, right? Embellishment here means what? Everyone can tell that it's a little bit of an exaggeration. Everyone can tell. Okay? So that's rule number three or four. We already talked about what are the rules of using your tongue in a good way. 
Still more fundamental is that you communicate to him praise of anyone who praises him or her, showing your pleasure, for to hide such praise would be pure envy. He talked about that before. Furthermore, you should thank, and we'll finish here, you should thank them for what they do on your behalf. Indeed, because why? The very intention that they have is an indication of, right, that if they do not succeed completely, indeed for his every, very intention, even if he's not succeeding completely, Ali radiallahu anhu, he said that whoever does not praise, this is deep, man, whoever does not praise their brother or sister for a good intention will also be the one who doesn't praise them for their good action. Basically, if you can't appreciate the thought, you won't appreciate the action. Many of us, we hold back because why? They didn't do it. They didn't complete it, right? If somebody's like, I would love to give you a ride. I'm so sorry, but my, I have a meeting right at that time. Are we only going to say thank you if they show up? Or do we pause and say, you know what? I'll figure it out, but I appreciate you. I appreciate it, right? Ali radiallahu says, if you don't appreciate the person thinking about it, then you probably wouldn't have appreciated them doing it either. You probably would have gotten out of the car and been like, all right, see you when I get back, all right? But the really grateful friends, the true ones who appreciate, they appreciate even the intention of the deed, not just the deed itself. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us tawfiq. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are not stingy with our tongues, that we are so generous with our words, that we have no problem giving love and affection and appreciation with the words that we have. We ask Allah Ta'ala to open up our hearts and to protect us from envy and to give us love and compassion for each other. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make us people that are so charitable with the kind things that we can say and that we never ever lose sight and lose focus of the prophetic characteristic of being loving and kind towards one another. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. So I'm ending a little bit early tonight for a specific reason. Uh, number one, it's, it's, so it's 7.53. Ershah prayer is at 8.15. I don't want us to be late. Prayer is more important than anything that I say. Like making it to Salah is more important than anything that I say. So if we come here to, to, to get closer to Allah to learn, but then we miss prayer, like we're missing the whole, the whole plot, right? So I, I do want to end us a little bit early every Monday, five minutes early. People can gupshup, right? It only takes three minutes to walk to the masjid. If you plan on praying in Jamaat, obviously you have to leave, I understand. Um, but you can catch up with people, Q&A, I know there's a long line here that people usually have. Please be mindful that I'm also going to try to make it over there, inshallah, as well. Uh, coming over and asking questions, saying, I know you want to go to prayer, but uh, is not. <laughs> I appreciate the thought. I appreciate you, right? Thank you for the good intention, okay? But let's go pray. Uh, and then lastly, inshallah, we got some brothers in the back, Asad, uh, Humayun, and others. They're going to take the chairs from you. If everyone can fold their chair... Take it back to the carts, inshallah. It would be much appreciated uh, for that help instead of two or three guys having to fold up everyone's chair. Jazakum Allah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.